Hello there, Dory. We hope you're enjoying your Sunday in San Francisco. Absolutely. With a high of 60 degrees and a clear sky this morning, it's shaping up to be a pleasant day. Although, keep an eye out for those broken clouds rolling in this evening. Before you head out to enjoy the day, let's catch you up on today's top stories. First up, TechCrunch is shining a light on the women leading the AI revolution. Miranda Bogan from the Center of Democracy and Technology's AI Governance Lab talks about her journey in the tech world. She's tackling some big issues like discrimination in online ads and algorithmic fairness. And with AI shaping our society more each day, Bogan's work couldn't be more crucial. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to Daily Dose from PocketPod News. In political news, Donald Trump clinches another win in South Carolina's Republican primary, beating Nikki Haley in her own state. This victory solidifies his path toward a potential third GOP nomination. Despite Haley vowing to stay in the race, her future is now under scrutiny. Meanwhile, Joe Biden secures the Democratic primary but faces challenges over his stance on Israel and Hamas. And over in Florida, lawmakers are taking a stand against social media use by those under 16. A new bill aims to shield youngsters from online harms, but stirs debate over privacy rights and parental control. It's a mixed bag of news today, from tech revolutions and political races to legislative debates on social media use. Stay with us for all that and more as we dive into these stories. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app to join the waitlist. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is reshaping every aspect of our lives, from how we work to how we interact with the world around us. Absolutely. And at the forefront of navigating this digital transformation is Miranda Bogan, a leading voice in advocating for responsible AI practices. Her work focuses on ensuring AI technologies serve society equitably and ethically. Today, we're joined by PocketPod News Technology Analyst Paige Owens to delve into Miranda Bogan's journey in the AI field. Paige will also discuss Bogan's significant contributions towards shaping a more inclusive and fair digital future. Thanks, Jonathan. Miranda Bogan's journey is indeed an inspiring one, especially when considering her profound impact on the AI world. Her initial attraction to AI stemmed from a deep understanding of its potential societal implications. Bogan realized early in her career that machine learning and artificial intelligence had far-reaching effects on people's rights, values, and communities. This realization wasn't just about the technical prowess of AI, but its ability to reshape societal dynamics fundamentally. That sounds incredibly forward-thinking. Could you elaborate on some of the contributions she's made towards responsible AI practices? Absolutely. One of Bogan's most notable contributions was her research into discrimination within online advertising systems, particularly focusing on Meta's algorithmic fairness. Her work shone a light on how these systems could perpetuate disparities in economic opportunities for marginalized populations— by addressing these biases head-on, Bogan's research led to tangible improvements in how these advertising algorithms function, making them more equitable. Facing such complex challenges in a male-dominated industry must have been daunting. How did she navigate this landscape? It was indeed a challenge, but Bogan credits much of her ability to push forward to the support from her colleagues who shared her vision for a more inclusive tech world. She placed great importance on uplifting marginalized voices and chose positions where she could work with or under women leaders in tech. This reflects a broader shift towards inclusivity within the industry itself. 
And what advice does she have for women looking to enter the AI field? Bogan strongly believes in finding supportive environments that value diversity of thought and encourage mentorship and allyship. She stresses that being part of such communities can significantly empower women entering the AI field, fostering both personal growth and broader societal change. Speaking of change, what does she see as the pressing issues facing AI development today? One major issue is moving from merely identifying problems with AI systems to developing systematic approaches for mitigating these harms. The launch of CDT's AI Governance Lab under her direction is a step towards finding solutions that ensure responsible governance over AI technologies. How should users approach current AI systems, according to Bogan? Users need to exercise caution when relying on AI for consequential tasks since many current systems lack comprehensive protective measures, analogous to seatbelts or airbags in cars. And what about building responsible AI? What does that entail? Building responsible AI necessitates humility and an inclusive approach. It's about asking who an AI system serves or fails and incorporating diverse perspectives into its design process from the outset. Lastly, how does Miranda Bogan view the role of investors in promoting responsible innovation? She encourages investors to prioritize deliberate development over rushing technologies to market without proper consideration for ethical practices. The goal is to shift focus towards supporting ecosystems where responsible innovation thrives over mere rapid advancements. Fascinating insights into Miranda Bogan's work and vision for a more ethical digital future. Thank you for sharing this with us today, Paige. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we continue discussing and advancing these conversations around responsible artificial intelligence for everyone's benefit. The political landscape is heating up with Donald Trump's significant victory in South Carolina's Republican primary. Absolutely. This win over former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina governor Nikki Haley isn't just a win, it's a statement. Trump is solidifying his path to potentially securing the Republican nomination for the third consecutive time, despite facing numerous indictments and controversies. And with this victory, we're also looking at the possibility of a 2020 rematch between Trump and President Joe Biden. Both camps are already preparing for what could be another historic election. To break down these developments and what they mean for both parties, we'll be speaking to PocketPod News national political correspondent Ron Stevens. Absolutely, Jonathan. Donald Trump's victory in South Carolina is a significant milestone in the Republican primary race. Beating Nikki Haley, a prominent figure from his own party and the former governor of that state, sends a powerful message about his enduring influence within the GOP. This win on Saturday, February 24, 2024, not only highlights Trump's strength, but also underscores his clean sweep of the early contests for Republican delegates. That's quite a statement victory in Haley's home state. Speaking of Nikki Haley, how does this loss affect her campaign strategy moving forward? Nikki Haley's loss in South Carolina is indeed a major setback given her deep connections in history as the state's governor from 2011 to 2017. Despite this blow to her campaign, she has vowed to continue fighting through Super Tuesday. However, this defeat raises serious questions about her viability against Trump's strong base support within the party. It's going to be an uphill battle for her from here on out. Interesting perspective there. Now, with Trump and Biden potentially heading for a rematch, how are both camps positioning themselves? Both sides are gearing up for what could potentially be another historic showdown in November 2024, the possibility of a rematch between Donald Trump and President Joe Biden is becoming increasingly likely as both men have started launching attacks focusing on policy failures, age concerns, and leadership capabilities. These criticisms not only mark the beginning of their campaigns, 
but also highlight the central themes that may define their electoral battle. And what about voter sentiments in South Carolina? How do they play into all of this? Voter sentiments in South Carolina are particularly interesting because they reveal a lot about why Trump might have performed so strongly there. AP VoteCast data suggests that many South Carolinians oppose continued aid to Ukraine and have lukewarm feelings about NATO, positions that align closely with Trump's views. These sentiments likely contributed to his strong showing in the primary and might indicate broader national trends as we move closer to Super Tuesday. With all these developments, Trump still faces significant legal challenges. How do you see this affecting his campaign? Despite facing 91 criminal charges related to various allegations, including efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss, among others, Trump's political strength seems unshaken for now. His first criminal trial is set to begin on March 25th, yet his performance in early primaries indicates that at least within the Republican base, his support remains strong. Lastly, Ron, let's touch upon the Democratic primary overview briefly. On the Democratic side, Jonathan President Joe Biden won South Carolina's Democratic primary earlier this month against Congressman Dean Phillips. Although Biden is expected to secure his party's nomination fairly easily, he faces internal criticism over military support provided to Israel amidst its conflict with Hamas, which highlights some divisions within his party. Thank you, Ron, for those insights. My pleasure, Jonathan. In Florida, a new bill is sparking a heated debate on how young is too young for social media. That's right. The state legislature has just passed legislation that would prevent anyone under the age of 16 from using social media platforms. It's a move aimed at protecting kids from the potential mental health risks of excessive screen time. But not everyone's on board. Critics say it infringes on free speech and steps over parents' rights to supervise their children's online activities. Governor Ron DeSantis is now weighing in, balancing concerns over privacy with the need to protect Florida's youth. To dive deeper into this complex issue, we're joined by PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup. Don, there's a lot to unpack here between parental authority, privacy rights, and mental health concerns. Where do we even begin? Indeed, Steve, it's a multifaceted issue. Let's start with the Florida legislature's recent decision, which aims to prohibit individuals under the age of 16 from using social media platforms. This legislative move is driven by concerns over the potential mental health risks that excessive use of social media can pose to young people. The bill, having been passed by lawmakers just this Thursday, is now awaiting review by Governor Ron DeSantis. And what's Governor DeSantis's stance on this issue? Governor DeSantis has recognized the potential harm that social media can inflict on children. However, he also raises concerns about infringing on privacy rights and overriding parental supervision. His position highlights a significant tension between protecting children in the digital realm and preserving family autonomy when it comes to engaging with technology. There seems to be quite a bit of public debate around this bill. Can you tell us more about the opposition it's facing? Absolutely, Steve. Critics argue that this bill could potentially violate First Amendment rights and reduce parents' control over their children's online activities. A notable opponent is Meta, the parent company of Instagram and Facebook, which opposes the legislation due to concerns over data privacy and limits on parental discretion. They advocate for federal measures that would require parental approval for minors' app downloads instead. The bill targets specific features of social media platforms. Could you elaborate on those? Yes, the legislation takes aim at features known for keeping users engaged, such as infinite scrolling, reaction metrics like likes or shares, autoplay videos, live streaming capabilities, and push notifications. 
Lawmakers believe these functionalities contribute to addictive behaviors in minors and exacerbate mental health issues without naming any specific platforms. And what about privacy protection? How does the bill address those concerns? To tackle privacy concerns head-on, provisions have been included in the bill aiming to enhance user data protection during age verification processes. Furthermore, it allows for civil lawsuits against companies that fail to delete personal information from terminated accounts. These measures seek to balance constitutional rights related to privacy while holding social media companies accountable for their practices. This isn't an isolated case, though, right? Other states are considering similar laws? That's correct. Florida's legislation follows Utah's footsteps, which became the first state to adopt laws regulating children's access to social media back in March 2023. Arkansas, Louisiana, Ohio, and Texas are either following suit or contemplating similar regulations, illustrating a growing national trend towards stricter regulation of minors' access to digital platforms. So what do we make of all this? It sounds like there are no easy answers. Indeed not, Steve. While intended as protective measures against potential harms associated with online engagement, particularly among youth, such legislative efforts raise complex questions about free speech rights versus government intervention in child-rearing practices and data privacy considerations. As states across the U.S. explore similar regulations amid broader discussions about technology's role in society and individual well-being, these debates are likely only going to intensify. Thanks for that comprehensive overview, Don. My pleasure, Steve. Always good discussing these important issues with you. And that's Daily Dose for Sunday, February 25th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Dory. We hope you have a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to PocketPod.app.